Well, we want to welcome you all to the High Kirk this morning, and for those as well listening online, uh, we pray that the Lord will just bless you in your homes, Uh, but especially we do pray that the Lord will touch each of our hearts here this morning. Well, this morning we're here to just give thanks to the Lord. We're celebrating the Lord and His presence with us. And isn't it lovely to know that He's with us? Whatever you're going through right now, whether you feel you're in the valley or on the mountaintop, the Lord has promised that I will be with you always. Just trust me. Receive me into your heart, your life. Hold on to me because I'm not going to let you go. And so today I pray that you would know the embrace of the Lord as he would lift your heart and encourage you. Well, we're going to sing... Take us to the river.
But let's unite our hearts as we pray. Let's pray together. We taste thee, O thou living bread, and long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee, the fountainhead, and thirst our souls from thee to fill. O our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you this morning for allowing us and, Lord, permitting us to come into your wonderful presence. Lord, this morning we can stand before the throne of grace. Lord, not because of what we've done, because, Lord, if we were to look at ourselves, Lord, we can only hand over our feelings, our shortcomings. Lord, if we were to show our hands, you would see our sins. But Lord, we are allowed to come into your presence, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And so, Lord Jesus, this morning we do worship you. We adore you. We thank you for your sweet presence with us. And we ask that you'd continue to fill this sanctuary with love, joy, peace. Oh, may we know a foretaste of heaven, even this morning. Oh, that we will get a foretaste of glory divine. Lord, I ask that you would fill each heart here. Lord, fill every chamber of our nature, every part of us. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, empower us. Cleanse us. Lord, grant renewal and times of refreshing. And Lord, for those who feel that they just wish they could have a brand new start to life, Oh, Lord, may they experience today that newness of life in Christ. Lord, not just a head knowledge about Christianity, but oh, that they would come to experience your, your love in Christ. And Lord, as we share and worship this morning, we thank you that we're not a small assembly at all. But Lord, Lord, we join with the saints that have gone before us. And we join with all the angels in the worship of heaven. And so, Lord, it's an absolute privilege to join with that heavenly host. And Lord, where you would invite us to come and to be part of that worship. And so, Lord, our sole desire this morning is to worship the Lamb upon the throne. Oh, may Christ be exalted. Lord, we know that he is the exalted one, but Lord, may he be exalted in our praise this morning, in our hearts, in our lives. And so, Lord, move among us. And may this be a precious time together where we can leave here and say, Lord, it was good to be here because we met with you. Oh, Lord, may we just taste and see that the Lord is good. And so, Lord, as we worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the prayer Jesus taught his disciples. And so, Lord, we just share in the Lord's prayer together. 
praying. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Our Bible reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44. And we just read the first five verses of Isaiah's prophecy. But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. One will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel. Amen. May the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. Well, I would like us to reflect once again. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 44. And it's been a, a chapter that I know that has touched me so often over these past 20 years, often when I'm in my own quiet, having my own quiet time reading the scriptures. Whenever I see the reading Isaiah 44, my heart just thrills. I just love these verses. And I thought, right, well, I'll be soon going on holiday. I thought, Lord, it'd be lovely just to capture your heart in Isaiah. When you look at the book of Isaiah, there's 66 chapters. And it's divided in a similar way to the Old Testament and New. You have the first 39 chapters of Isaiah that were often called the book of judgment. And when you go through these chapters, you do see God's judgment coming on the nations. But that's not the last chapter. From 40 to the end of Isaiah, it's become known as the book of comfort. And so in Isaiah, you see the full gospel where judgment and mercy kiss one another. You see justice and you see grace. You see sin and you see the love of God moving so powerfully upon people who don't deserve God's mercy. And Isaiah, it's just a wonderful gospel. And as we come into chapter 44, we're coming into the book of comfort. And so you'll be glad this morning that we're going to be reflecting on this book of comfort here in Isaiah 44. Well, in verses 3 and 4, I want you to especially notice, For I will pour water on the thirsty land, and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees, by flowing streams. 
Well, Robert Murray McChain, the great Scottish Victorian preacher, said this of these very verses. He said, There are no words in the whole Bible that have been oftener in my heart and oftener on my tongue than these since I began my ministry among you. And yet he has never fulfilled this promise. Isn't it interesting? Here's Robert Murray McChain. He loves this verse, or these verses. He had such a heart to see revival come to Dundee. Actually, when revival did come, he was away in Israel at the time. <laughs> and his dear friend William Burns was there in the midst of it all, where God poured out his spirit. Wonderful things happened. And when you look through the history of revival upon Scotland, there were times of refreshing. The churches seemed so dead. People weren't coming to church. They were so empty. And even the preachers had lost heart. But see when revival came, when the Spirit moved across these towns and cities? Oh, it was like new life. The churches began to grow again. Church, some churches were filled to overflowing. Hearts were touched and moved. Families would come together and they would have their own family pew. Where once you had to pay a, a rent for your pew, now you would see families congregated there in the, on all these pews. Some churches couldn't even cope with the numbers that came during the times of revival. And it's no wonder that the church continues to pray, Lord, will you not revive us again? We would love to see the church growing again. We would love to see not just the church growing numerically, but Lord, to see new life, to see the life of the Spirit in the church again, where people are excited about prayer, where people are excited about reading their Bibles, and where people are excited about getting to church. Now, that's ha that happens in revival. You find children and right to elderly people desperate to get to church. They can't wait. And you'll see the prayer meetings packed. They can't get enough. God is moving. And so, yes, the High Kirk, we've been praying for revival for many, many years. I know through all my ministry, it's been one of our primary prayers Lord revive us and I know many ministers before me had prayed the same in this very building and maybe we can say today with Robert Murray McChain Lord we haven't seen this promise fulfilled yet not yet where you would pour floods upon dry ground well as we come to our text this morning do you know there was I was going to do my usual, just to expound just the, the text and apply it. But you know, as I was reading it this week, three questions came to mind. I was reading it again and I thought, there were three questions that came. And I felt, again, the Lord just reminding me, first of all, who is Isaiah referring to? And so the three questions I have for you this morning is who, how, and why? It's a good three-point sermon. Who, how, and why? 
Well, let's look at the who. who. Isaiah is describing a season of refreshing upon the church. It's a time of revival. It's a time of singing. It's a time of blessing. But the question I have of Isaiah is, but who are you referring to? For I will pour. Who is the I? Now, the reason I want to emphasize this this morning is so that we get the focus here on what revival is about. It's not about us wanting to feel better. It's not, Lord, I want to be filled up a wee bit more with joy. I want to be filled up a wee bit more of feeling good about myself. I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to feel the way I'm feeling right now. And you know, we can make it about ourselves. Lord, therefore, revive us. Lord, revive me because I'm feeling awful. But notice in Isaiah, the emphasis is not on the I want, I want. It's what he wants. And Isaiah draws us to the who. I will pour. It's God. God is actually saying, I will pour. It's not Isaiah. And so this is a really important first point. Because when we're talking about revival, we have to ask the question, so who is the author of revival? Can I start a revival myself? Can I revive myself? Can I go home today and read more of my Bible and pray more and do more for the Lord? If I do all this, if I, if I start trying to motivate myself, will, that revive, will I feel revived? Will I feel better? Well, you may not. <laughs> Isaiah reminds us that God is the author of revival. Only the Lord can warm your heart here today. And can I give a fundamental doctrine? Did you know that you can't decide to become a Christian? That's not up to you. It's the Lord. The Lord says, for I, it's not that you loved me. It's not that you chose me. It's not that you went forward in a meeting and said, I want Jesus into my heart. Jesus said, It's not that you first loved me. It's that I first loved you. I was in love with you first. I drew you to myself. It was me who gave you the desires. It was me who filled your heart that day in church where you just felt, you know, this this Christianity thing seems more real than I thought. God seems more real to me today. And do you know, there's been many people in church who've gone through that experience where they've gone through the tick the box while I was in church this morning. But there's a moment came for so many where they felt as if it became real. It wasn't just in their head anymore. It moved into their hearts. They could feel the presence of God. They could feel his love. Now, I know it's not about feelings. But you know, it's a bonus when the Lord does give us these, the sense of his presence when he does give us a sense of his love and his joy, when you know that the Lord loves you, when you have that sense of it, not just in the head, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, but see, when it comes into the heart, where you can leave saying, I know he loves me. I know God really cares about me today. 
for the first time, I felt it. I could feel God's love for me, even although I'm so down, so discouraged, so despondent. Today, I felt as if my heart just filled to overflowing. I felt his spirit just come on me and give me such peace and such a calmness upon my spirit. I could say today, I went to that stream and I drank and it brought such life. Only the Lord can revive your heart. Only the Lord, he's the author of revival. Yes, we long to see God bringing hearts to the church. We want to see people saved. We want people to come to experience the love of God in reality. That's why we want to invite people to come to church. It's not because we want to build up our numbers to make the High Kirk survive for the next generations to come. We invite people because we want them to experience the love that we've experienced, the peace that we've experienced. And I know as I look around here today, most of you I know have known storms and trials in your life. Some of you have lost loved ones, children, parents, husbands, wives. You've lost dear friends. And it's amazing coming to know you all. Because see, when I look out on a Sunday morning, I see just the love of Jesus is shining upon your faces and I know that boy you know despite all that they've gone through Lord it's lovely to see you just your presence upon them and I know that many of you here can testify through every storm I can say it is well it is well with my soul the Lord's been with me he has fulfilled his promise he told me he would be with me always, even unto the end of the age, even when I went through the darkest times, in, in the, through the shadow of death, the Lord was with me. His promise is so true. And so here this morning, we're reminded, yes, who? Who's talking here? Who's going to pour water on the thirsty land? It's the Lord. We can't stir up ourselves. And we certainly cannot create a revival in this church by getting all the gadgets and gimmicks and all the stuff. We can transform this church into an amazing church building now. I, I'm praying and I hope that we're going to see a day where we may see this church refurbished once we see the appeals going through. And <laughs> oh, Lord, please <laughs> do a miracle. And yes. It was before the pandemic, our hearts were all looking forward to the new refurbishment of the church. And yes, these things are lovely when, when we see a church just refreshed in these ways. But you know, even having a refurbished building does not bring revival. Even having a 200-piece choir and a 30-piece orchestra that may well draw people, but it may not bring revival. It may not bring the power of the Holy Spirit upon a church. Why? Because we're not the authors of revival. We can't work a revival. God must come.
And that's why it's so important that the church always makes their focus on the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When our eyes are upon Jesus, oh, watch out what will happen then. And I want to encourage you all, yes, look up. Look up. Even through the darkest storms, let's look up. Let's seek him. Let's thirst for him. Let's pursue him with all our heart. Seek me while I'm to be found. God is the author of revival. He is sovereign. And it's God who, yes, God's the one who, who brings to birth a revival where he revives our spirits, he revives our hearts, he revives our church. But the Lord is also the one who continues to revive and bring refreshing. The Lord doesn't revive a church. He doesn't revive you in order for you to hope that'll top you up and keep going now. You were blessed there on Sunday. Go off now and try and do your best. No. The Lord is also the continuer of revival. That's why, see, if you get blessed on a Sunday morning, see, when you wake up on Monday morning, ask the Lord to bless you again. Seek the Lord for his blessing every day. Sunday is not meant to be the top-up where you just get blessed and now you, that helps you to keep going in life. No, Sunday, if you get blessed on a Sunday, and I pray that you do, when the presence of God just touches you and revives you and refreshes you and gives you hope again, I pray that that will cause you to rise in the morning saying, Lord, I want that again. I want to experience your love, your joy, your peace, your hope again. And then Tuesday morning comes. Every time you have your quiet time in the morning and in the evening hour before you sleep, oh, commend your heart to the Lord. And that he would cause his peace to settle upon you in the evening hour. As Robert Murray McChain said, Oh, to labour through the day and to rest under his smile in the evening hour. Oh, that each morning and evening you would rest under the smile of God. As he continues to revive you and refresh you and protect you. And to guard over your soul. So who... This is the Lord. And so how is God going to revive? How does he do it? Well, notice in our text, he begins with the thirsty. If any man thirsts, Jesus said, let him come unto me and drink. Again in Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And then, of course, we sang earlier from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants after you. Isn't that so interesting? God begins reviving a heart that thirsts. Do you long for God to move upon your life? Do you have a longing in you today to know streams of mercy and forgiveness and joy and love? Do you have a longing for that? Well, Isaiah reminds us that 
God comes in revival. He revives those who are thirsty. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. What a wonderful invitation. This morning, have you a thirst to go deeper with the Lord? Do you want to know more of his love, more of his peace? Do you long to know his grace, his power? Well, that's my prayer for the church. It's my prayer for the church in Scotland that we would see more of the power of God on display so that the world would be drawn as they see the power of God. And remember the woman at the well? Sir, give me this water so that I wouldn't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Yes, the Lord, he often comes in revival and he begins with those who have a, who have a thirst. A thirst in prayer. A thirst for his word. Those who have a thirst for the presence of God, to know that intimate presence of God, to draw near. And notice, when God comes to revive, he doesn't just, as we sang in, the, in our opening hymn, showers of blessing. Yes, it's lovely to receive showers of blessing. But notice the promise here in Isaiah. When God comes and he revives a soul, when he comes to revive a church, and when he comes to revive a community, he isn't just going to cause a wee shower to pass by. The Lord makes a promise here that he will pour floods. I like that. Floods upon dry ground. Floods of grace. It's, a, it's God's desire to pour floods of mercy upon each one of us. Isn't that lovely to know? That when we just feel, Lord, oh, be merciful to me, a sinner. Isn't it lovely to know that on God's heart, he wants to pour floods of mercy. When you come to the Lord in prayer, Lord, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve anything. I've mucked up this week. I've hardly read my Bible. I've hardly prayed. And Lord, I, I've almost felt like giving up. But Lord, forgive me. Oh, grant me grace. The undeserved love and mercy of God. Lord, that's what I need today. And what's on God's heart? He wants to pour floods of grace. Lord, do you really love me? Oh, I wish I could know your love today. Guess what's on God's heart for you today? He has floods of love to pour upon you. Floods of blessing. Floods of peace. Floods of joy. Floods of forgiveness. That's what's on the heart of God. He wants to pour out such a blessing that even the windows of heaven can't contain it. That's our God. We have a wonderful God, a, a patient, long-suffering, a loving God who cares for you and me and who desires to pour floods of blessing upon your life this morning. Not tomorrow, 
Not next week, but today. In Isaiah's day, they cried out, when is the day of blessing? When is the day of salvation? And Paul reminds the church at Corinth, today is the day of blessing. Today is the day of salvation. Today you can know floods of forgiveness and joy and mercy and peace. Yes, today. That's on the heart of God. And I am so glad that Isaiah also penned these words. That God would pour floods upon where? Dry ground. You know, I used to think that God only blessed you if you were good. <laughs> if I was a good boy today, oh, God must be happy with me. Oh, God must, he, he must put up with me today because I read my Bible today. I prayed, I went to church. Oh, I must be in God's good books today. Do you know, that's what I used to think. And see, if I, if I missed church or if I didn't pray, if I didn't read my Bible, if I said something not nice, if I acted in a, in a wrong way, if I wasn't living right for the Lord... I would often think, oh, he doesn't like me one bit today. And there's no way he's going to forgive me today. And I often feel like the wee boy who, who did something wrong and then he gets home and, and he's told, go to your bedroom. No dinner tonight for you. And you know, often I feel that's what, I used to think God was like that. That whenever I sinned, whenever I mucked up, that I would have to go to my own room without any dinner. I would have to go and just, until I, I repented and until I oh, beat myself up. Oh, if I, if I beat myself up for a week, if I just carry this regret and disappointment and hurt, if I just hold on to it, if I fix my eyes and just poor me, I'm just a worm. I'm just, oh, I'm just a worm in the dust. I'm just horrible. And, I, oh. and then after a week of seeing that about myself, then I can say, well, Lord, I, I've, I've paid the price of my sins here. I've, I've, I haven't eaten for a week. And you know, the Lord will often come and he'll say, Scott, why did you do that? <laughs> why did you? Yes, you sinned. You messed up. And then you went off for a week in your misery why didn't you come to me when you sin I have told you Scott come unto me and confess your sins and I will forgive you I have floods of forgiveness to show you I have floods of love to pour upon your life why did you go running off in a wee huff beating yourself up saying what an awful person you were if you came to me, I would have cleaned you up. I would have forgiven you. You could have known joy. You could have known my delight. Do you know, Scott, when, when you come to me instantly and repent, do you know that the angels in heaven rejoice? The angels are delighted. They, they're singing when they see you coming straight away to me when you know you've messed up. Even the angels in heaven were told rejoice over one sinner that repents. I'm so glad Isaiah tells us that these floods come upon dry ground. Those who feel dry this morning, you may not feel that you're spiritually on fire. You may feel as if you're just spiritually dry. You may be feeling, Scott, I don't know how I feel today. 
I've just been up and down like a yo-yo. I just, I don't know where I am and I, and I don't seem to care either. It's as if I'm just going through the motions and there's just a apathy. I just feel cold of heart about it all. Scott, I, I, yes, I'm going to church and I know I wouldn't stop going to church and I know I'll say my Bible readings and my prayers, but Scott, I just feel dry. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt spiritually dry? where you're just praying and even in your own quiet time and you don't seem to feel the sense of God's presence near you and you're wondering, God, where is your goodness and mercy? I thought you said goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Well, I don't feel your goodness and I don't feel your mercy. Lord, I just feel so dry. Have you been there? Oh, I'm sure we've all been there. And maybe today there's a heart here and that's exactly where you feel. Isn't it good news that God promises to pour floods upon dry ground? If you're feeling dry this morning, oh, what a wonderful promise. He wants to pour upon you. Yes, even in your dryness, even when you feel so weary, worn and sad. Oh, that's the winds blowing up. So yes, the Lord promises, I will pour. How will he do it? Well, he begins with those who are thirsty. And also with those who are dry. Those who don't feel the panting after God. Who'd... God also promises even upon dry ground, he'll pour. And now can I finally just ask the question, why? Why does God pour like that? Why would God bring revival? Well, Isaiah tells us, because God desires to bless us. It's on the heart of God to bless his people, to bless his church. God can't help but want to bless. It's his nature. He is the blessed God. He is the blessed God. He is the God who is full of blessing and he desires to bless. So that's why we can know revival because it's on the heart of God. God wants to bless you and me. But Isaiah tells us that he doesn't just want to bless you this morning. He wants to bless your descendants, your children. He wants to bless your families. He wants to touch your life and pour through your life into your family and your loved ones. That's why can I encourage you, keep praying for your children and your grandchildren. Pray for your sons and your daughters. Pray for your parents. Pray for your families. Pray for your dearest friends. Keep praying. Because God desires to pour floods of blessing upon you and your descendants so that they will spring up like the grass of the field. Yes, it's the heart of God to see revival. It's not a case of God refusing to revive his people or his church or the nations because he's waiting until we've done enough. 
No, it's always on the heart of God to revive, to revive us. Because he desires to see souls come to know him. He desires, God desires that we would come to repentance and to come to know him. So the problem is not with the Lord. He desires our families to be brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Oh, that the church would blossom again. And see when revival comes? Revival comes because it glorifies God. When God moves in power upon your life and my life and our church and our nation, when God does pour floods upon this nation of Scotland again, where we become again the land of revival, the land of the book, it brings glory to God. When you are touched, God gets glorified. And so this morning, would you join with the psalmist? Lord, will you not revive us again? Oh, this morning, is that your prayer? In this quiet place, can we bow our heads and ask the Lord to pour upon you and that he'll pour upon our families, our streets, our communities. And so we're just going to have a wee quiet time as we just come before the Lord and invite him. Lord, revive me. Pour floods upon my dry heart and my dry nation. So let's pray together. Lord, the question often comes, are we thirsty? Or are we dry? Are we feeling dry today? Lord, this morning in this place, we just look up to you. And Lord, we ask and we pray, Lord, please, would you pour floods upon the dry land? Would you pour floods upon our dry hearts? And Lord, those who are thirsty, Lord, will you pour? Pour water on those who are thirsty, streams on the dry ground, floods of mercy, floods of forgiveness, floods of peace, floods of love. Lord, would you cause such a, a tide to come in this morning to this place? And those who are listening online, Oh, Lord, bless us, we pray. And that as you refresh us and revive us, Lord, that you would be glorified. And so, Lord, hear our prayers as we do pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, let's sing in our closing hymn, Floods of Revival, Lord, Let Them Fall.
So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.